0: Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people.
1: Hello to the people. It has been a long four months,
0: but finally. The Same Old Dolphin Show has returned to the airwaves, the show where we try to figure out if this team is something different, something new, something exciting, or whether they're just the same old dolphins. Brain, how the hell are you? I'm
2: doing well. I'm so glad that we're back and we get to talk about some football because it's been a long summer. Most summers i I just kinda you know i'm I'm usually pretty pissed off by the end of the dolphin season uh that's the same old dolphins thing to do, so Even ironically
0: ironically, summer becomes a cooling off period for you, yeah, I mean only figuratively speaking being that
2: we're in that i'm i mean I'm not in South Florida now, I'm in Tampa, but it's still still plenty hot so it's not the easiest thing to cool off plus my air conditioner is broken uh so that's that's great that makes it even harder to cool off but yes figuratively speaking the summer is usually a cooling off period. actually technically usually i'm pretty okay by the summertime it's usually the springtime like you you get from basically february till about may and and you're, I kind of get over it, and then it's the draft, and then it's new beginnings, kind of. But usually, the summertime is here, and it's just kind of whatever, you know. I I'm not really expecting much from the Dolphins come summertime. Very rarely is it a very interesting off season, uh, but this has been an interesting off season for the Dolphins, and so I've actually been way more attuned to this franchise. This summer than I think I have in any summer in recent memory.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's definitely a changing of the guard. And that, by its very nature, if you're a hardcore Dolphin fan, is something that makes you sort of lean in because you want to keep track of what the team is doing, especially as we sort of covered in our last episode, which is all the way back in April, where we talked about how the team really seemed to be approaching things the right way to do a proper rebuild which has been something that they've struggled to do so many times in the past and so with all of that happening with the team sort of taking the approach of we're going to sit on our hands and we're going to get rid of some of this veteran talent that maybe we're paying too much for based on the returns and even you know some Players that are very near and dear to a lot of Dolphin fans' hearts, you know, guys like Cam Wake leaving the organization. Um, you know, but it, it, this was a team, this was a team under Chris Greer and Brian Flores that seemed to be doing everything right. So, you know, hey, you, you, that is an exciting thing when you've got a team that for so long has made it has seemed to have been spending every year just doing whatever little things that they can do to try to improve by two or three wins instead of, you know, really building a contender. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's been kind of interesting, but summertime is, you know, still an opportunity to, to get away from football a little bit. Did you do anything this summer that, you know, anything fun? Do you travel? Eh, I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, I
2: we haven't done much traveling because summertime is really a busy time for me work wise. You know the the regular job, the job that pays the bills, uh, because uh, the podcast does not. Uh, so it, summertime is a busy time. You know for for that for me to really buckle down when it comes to that. But you know we've had some friends visiting. Anniversary, my anniversary is in June. Two years, you know, married now. Uh my wife's birthday is in June. Then we've got uh we celebrate kind of our friendiversary thing in July. So it's it's a lot of celebrations. So it's a lot of it's a lot of going out and partaking and, and having fun. Granted, we didn't really go out and travel, uh, but we had a lot of fun here in Tampa, uh partaking in the in the local bar scene uh and and getting to know the, the
0: local restaurant scene really, really well. oh well, I'm sure we can do Definitely. a whole We'll do a special episode on our non-existent patreon feed for uh, where, where you give all of your reviews of the restaurants in the uh, Tampa Bay area over there. Uh,
2: well, I'll tell you I, c- I could review them and in in my research for making these reviews. I have put on a substantial amount of weight, so now it has been fantastic. these These past couple of weeks has been back to the gym, and it's been trying to wean myself off of these habits of
0: beer and chicken wings. And and I mean, I guess you know, I I listen, didn't have buddy, chicken wings. Listen, I got news for you: beer and chicken wings is the staple diet of a football season. I don't know. I don't know who you're trying to fool here. <laughs> Well, like they say, football season is year round now, and that I've been taking that approach in the off season. Well, good on you for that, because uh, you know beer and chicken wings. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's been a good summer. Are you a
2: breaded chicken wing guy, or, or are you a uh, naked, as they say? No,
0: no, no, no breaded, breaded and fried. I can... extra extra wet and extra crispy. Yeah, I like you know dress it up, baby. Let's go. I don't, some I don't deal garlic with
2: these... some hot. Parmesan garlic with the hot buffalo sauce. See,
0: I don't do I don't do all the different gimmicks of the different flavors. I like a I like a nice I don't like the hot wings. I don't want to go crazy hot wings like you're sweating and it's like you're inflicting pain on your yourself as you're eating the chicken wings. I don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. I would like to be able to enjoy the food that I'm eating. So I get my chicken wings, nice medium chicken wings, uh, with a Newcastle brown ale. And you're oh, nice. in good shape. That's that's the way to roll. Although it's summertime right now, so I've been enjoying my rosé. It's rosé all day, as they say. Oh, look at you! You're you're like a, a regular housewife of Beverly Hills. That's right, baby. I, I love the rosé in the summertime. It was uh, here in upstate New York. We had heat indexes over a hundred degrees these past couple days, yeah. so the rosé has come in handy, keeping me cool here. Uh, In the summertime, but you know, a sure sign that summertime almost is almost over is the beginning of training camp and training camp is now on the horizon for your Miami Dolphins. But I guess before we get to training camp and previewing all of that stuff, because that's what we're going to do on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about training camp and what our sort of expectations are for the team this season. I guess we got to sort of recap the off season. So brain, take us through it. As best you can, talk us through what is in your mind, the sort of highlights of this Dolphins offseason, and, and what grade would you give the Miami Dolphins on their 2019 offseason?
2: Yeah, I don't want to get into the minutia of every move, because by now, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a hardcore Dolphin fan. You know all the moves that they've made. So, you know, the, the big one, obviously... uh you know they got rid of Tannehill. They, they managed to trade Tannehill uh, to Tennessee and got got something back for him. Uh, they they got rid of Cameron Wake. They got rid of Andre Branch. Uh, they they basically lopped off all of the overpriced guys. Well, not all of the overpriced guys, but a, a Kiko, majority Kiko of Alonso
0: the- still survives.
2: Yeah, well and, and Rashad Jones, as much as we you For might now. love the guy as a player when he's healthy and performing and actually like on the field because he's not pulling himself out of games, I mean he's overpriced. But they what they did was is anybody that was not due a a ton of money and wasn't like gonna be a big dead cap hit, they you know, they got rid of. And so they they lopped that off and what I love about what they've done this offseason is they are just well, they didn't re-sign Juwan James. That was that was probably the biggest one. And, and I honestly, I was in I was in the camp of I wanted to re-sign Juwan James until I saw what he got signed for by the Denver Broncos. And then it's like, well, I mean, you can't pay him that knowing that you're gonna be p- paying your left tackle very very shortly, probably, you know close to 20 million, probably like 17, 18 million a year, you're going to make him the highest paid left tackle in the league. So you don't want to have the highest paid right tackle in the league and the highest paid left tackle in the league when, you know, let's face it, they've been a tandem for the last two years. And it's not like they've been some elite tandem. Juwan James, a really nice right tackle, and they're certainly going to be a downgrade in letting him go. And we'll get into who's replacing him in here in just a little bit. Uh, It's going to be a downgrade. But at the end of the day, you just can't pay that kind of money for your second best tackle on the team. Um, But I like that they made smart decisions. Uh, They didn't go out and break the bank and try to make some big splashy move in free agency. And by not making any of these big signings, they've actually been racking up these compensatory picks and so they've put themselves in great shape and loaded up on draft picks for next year um and the idea there was well you're either going to tank and you're going to have the number one pick or you're going to have all these picks so you can move up to get the quarterback that you want next year all makes sense and then they went out and they they made the draft day move the i guess the second day of the draft to get josh rosen and that's the one move this off season that I'm kind of on. I, I'm still, I'm on the fence on, uh, at the time I, at the time that it happened, I was on the fence and the more that it just, the more I thought about it for like a day or two, the more I just really needed to come to grips with the fact that I really didn't like the move. I just didn't like the move because I wasn't sold on Josh Rosen. And, I just felt like the odds are you're going to need to give the guy more than one year to really prove himself. And unless you end up with the number one pick or the number two pick and you get either you know if there's two great quarterbacks coming out then maybe you get the second one or you know maybe you get the number one pick and you get two uh, great but if you don't get that then you put yourself in a position where you're like well Josh Rosen made some strides he showed some things and then you you end up putting yourself right in the same old dolphins wheelhouse and I and I I just nothing scared me more as we've gotten away from it it's still not a move that I'm crazy about but as long as they can keep it in perspective and say, look, either this guy proves that he is the guy this year or we're going to go out and get our quarterback next year, I'm okay with it. It's not; it's still not a move I'm happy about. Uh, but all in all, um, the different things that they did in the draft outside of Josh Rosen, uh, getting a fullback, I love it. Uh, getting a good value in running back with with Miles Gaskin. I like that. I like the Christian Wilkins pick. Um, I like getting Dieter, the offensive lineman. Van Ginkle looks like he's going to be a nice addition to this linebacking core. I didn't like that they didn't address uh, the secondary, which I think is something that they really needed to address. But apparently they're going to kind of make this year an audition year for a lot of their younger defensive backs overall, I give their offense or their off season. I give it a b plus. Uh, I think that everything seemed to be in a clear vision and fits in that vision and makes a lot of sense and it's the first offseason in a long time where I felt like every single move just kind of made sense and the only move that I'm on the fence about is the Josh Rosen move, which, to be on i mean to to say that that's the worst move i mean if that's the worst move the worst move could potentially yield them their franchise quarterback for the next decade i'm not saying that it will but it could because the guy was a top you know 10 pick the, just a year ago and was the number 1 quarterback on many people's boards just a year ago so if the worst move you made all offseason was trading a late second round pick for the guy that has the potential of being your franchise quarterback for a decade, then it's been a pretty good off season.
0: Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I would say, I would probably go with an A and I think we talked about this towards the end of uh, towards the end of our last show. We talked about a grade for the dolphins off season, or I think we may graded at the draft, but either way I would, I would give them an A and just because they have stuck with their guns, when it comes to what this team is trying to do like they're they're trying to build a super bowl champion but they're not trying to build a super bowl champion that's going to be the super bowl champion this year And I think that's probably the most important thing that any Miami Dolphin fan can understand is that this team is trying to build a winner, but they're trying to build it the right way. And the right way to do that is to understand that when you have a new regime coming in to your football club, you can't just go from being a mediocre football team, which is what the Dolphins have been for a very long time. I would even say the year that they made the playoffs – they were still a mediocre football team. And you saw that with the way that they were beat down in their first game. It was, they were, you know, we talk about all the time how there's a couple, there's a few tiers in the NFL and most of the teams in the NFL belong in that mediocre tier. And there's not a lot of difference between a team that is nine and seven and, or, or 10 and six even. And it, Team that's six and ten or, or seven and nine. It's a lot of times it's just a few bounces of the football and it's a couple plays here and there. But for the most part, the Dolphins have been a very mediocre team. And this regime has come in and said, "No, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to take our time. We're not going to make a lot of crazy moves. We're not going to overpay for players. We're gonna we're gonna gather uh, our thoughts. We are going to collect assets, um, whether it's." players that they can trade, whether it's draft picks, whatever it is, they're going to approach this the right way and play the long game as opposed to trying to win a Super Bowl in 2019, which I think we can all agree that the Dolphins are not going to do unless something insane happens. Um, and because of that, I, I mean, I really think that the Dolphins are in a really good position to do really well In the next offseason, they've positioned themselves very well. And so, I mean, in a lot of ways, they've already made the right moves, and now you can go into this football season, and it's an entire season about evaluating what you've got. And I think that that probably leads us really nicely into the conversation about training camp because I really think that what this season is all about is checking out this young talent because there is a lot of young unproven talent on this Miami Dolphins team and we're going to find out how many of these guys are genuine NFL talents and how many of these guys you know just aren't cut out and I think in a perfect world what we find out through training camp is that a lot of these guys that the Dolphins have uh, turn out to be studs for them right that's that's sort of in the in, in the sort of dream scenario of this 2019 season, you've got a bunch of these unproven players on your team that turn into genuine NFL studs. So then you're, they're on your team and you're not paying them a whole lot. And you've got all of these draft picks lined up for 2020. So you're in position to make the moves that you need to make. You've got a guy like Josh Rosen. You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the... Franchise quarterback for your Miami Dolphins. This is not the guy who's probably going to lead us to glory. Josh Rosen might not be that guy either. However, he's here. You got him for cheap and that, you know, his ceiling is really, really high. I think, at least at that point, at this point in time, where we are right now in late July 2019, I think you can say the ceiling for Josh Rosen is still high as he's coming into this new regime. I I think probably by the end of the season, we'll have a good idea of whether or not Rosen is going to be able to make that make it to that ceiling or if, in fact, he's not quite the talented guy that's going to lead this team to the promised land. But that's okay because if he's not... You're in position to potentially, based on record alone, have a very high draft pick to draft the guy who, the next guy who might be your franchise quarterback. And if you end up maybe not with as high of a draft pick as maybe that I think that the Dolphins are going to have, or that I'm hopeful that they're going to have in 2020, you've got so much, you have so many assets that you can make moves to move into that position to draft the guy and still have quite a bit left over to have yourself a good draft and to bring in new talent as well. So I I think that the Dolphins are in a really good place with this offseason. It's really strange, right? It's that weird feeling of they've had such a good offseason and they're moving into training camp but it is a team that I have really low expectations for. It would not surprise me at all if the, I, I, I'm seeing the the number that I'm seeing is that the Dolphins are going to win three games this season. And I think that's like the popular pick. I, I I didn't see what the betting line is like, what the sort of favorite for the Dolphins record is going to be. But I'm hearing a lot of people think that this team is going to win three games this season, and I and we'll do our schedule. Episode a little bit closer to the start of the season where we break down the schedule and we, we try to predict what the Dolphins record is going to be. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Dolphins won three games. It wouldn't surprise me if they, it wouldn't listen. Frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't win anything this season. I mean, maybe it would be a little bit surprising, but I don't think I'd be stunned. I wouldn't be, you know, bowled over that this team didn't win a game. I mean, you look at this roster and I, I think you could identify in one word what this roster is missing and that's depth. And that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing right now based on how this team is being built. So at the moment, you look at it and you go, gosh, there's no depth here whatsoever. But the dream scenario is you get through training camp, you get into the regular season, and you realize that a lot of these guys whose names you don't know and who you know are going to be wearing the really big numbers in the preseason, if those guys turn out to be the players that you hope they can be. Well then, you know, who knows where this dolphin team is at where this dolphin team ends up this season.
2: Yeah, so we'll get into expectations later on uh, you know, towards the, towards the cap of the show we're going to talk about uh what the expectation is and what we're rooting for this season because most years most years you don't really need to ask what you're rooting for you're a fan of the team you're rooting for them to do really well but the the fan base is definitely split this year uh based on their quarterback situation based on the expectations of the team you've got people in the tank for tua camp uh you've got people in the hey Rosen is our guy let's back him you got people that are just like hey if it's magic, might be you know good enough to get this team to the playoffs to contend. Uh, I mean that that camp is pro is, is admittedly is admittedly uh, probably the smallest camp of the three, but um, I still think most Dolphin fans probably, even if they're not in the camp right now of wanting the team to do well, by the time we get to actual football. They're going to be rooting for the team to do well every single week. And they're probably going to be rooting for this team to potentially make a run. And uh, we'll get into how realistic that is. And we'll talk about the expectations and what we're rooting for in a little bit. But before we do that, excuse me, little, you know, got another beer here. Like I said, I laid off the chicken wings tonight, but not not so much the beer. Um, So I got a little... You know, a little gassy there. But anyway, uh, before we get into that, I think we should kind of go into what we're looking for and what we're watching for going into training camp and into the preseason.
0: All right. I love it. Where where do you want to start on that? You want to start on the offensive side of the ball? Well... I think, I think it makes the most sense to start on the offensive side of the ball just because, I mean, the lead is Ryan Fitzpatrick and and Josh Rosen, right? That's, 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 well, yeah, I mean,
2: obviously the quarterback, the quarterback position is everything, but also they're not going to show much defensively. We kind of know we, we have an inkling of what this defense is going to be because we, we've seen what Brian Flores did as kind of the de facto defensive coordinator of the Patriots. Last year, so we kind of know some of the philosophy there, uh, and it's going to be drastically different, but they're probably not going to show a whole lot of of complexity in the preseason, so we're probably not going to glean very much off of that. But what we will see and what we will inevitably be keeping an eye on is the number one story of training camp, and that is the quarterback battle between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. So, the last we saw this uh, was, I guess, your mini, your rookie mini camp, your OTAs, whatever. And the word out of camp from the beat writers and from the people who watch the practices was that Ryan Fitzpatrick right now is worlds ahead of Josh Rosen. And while the quarterback room, uh, certainly is heady and Josh Rosen uh, is making a good impression on the coaching staff and on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they've got a bit of a bromance going on the field. Ryan Fitzpatrick is worlds ahead of Josh Rosen. So going into training camp and the preseason, it would seem like Rosen has a very steep hill to climb to earn that starting job, which I think is going to be very upsetting for people who are hoping that Josh Rosen is the, is the franchise quarterback because it's very easy to say like, Hey, look, Josh you, you traded a second round pick for this guy with the hopes that he'd be the franchise quarterback. And if he can't even beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is not an upper echelon quarterback. In fact, many people would consider Ryan Fitzpatrick to be one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the entire league. I mean, you don't, you don't, you you don't even have to be, I mean, I don't even know that it's unbiased or that it's biased to say that. I think you could objectively look at it and say that most people would say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the worst off uh, worst quarterbacks in the league. As far as starters go just based on the contract, because he got he did not make starter money here. uh you know he he makes less money than Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback for New Orleans. so if 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 Josh Rosen can't even beat him out, then what does that say about Josh Rosen and the actual potential that that is there it, it it's troublesome. Um, but I would, I would say that.
0: Okay, go ahead. I'll let you finish.
2: Yeah. Well, that said, I'll say that one, it's very early. (laughs) I mean, it's we're, we're, we're basing this opinion. I mean, it's going to be 24 hour news cycle. Anytime there's news, you're going to react to it. So you're going to overreact to OTAs, which is virtually nothing. I mean, Josh Rosen's barely digested the playbook at that point. Um, so he, you should see a pretty sizable jump just from the end of OTAs into the beginning of training camp. But even that said, what we're talking about at these practices is mostly cerebral stuff. It's not physical stuff. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the better cerebral quarterbacks in all of, in all of the NFL, and he's got 15 years of experience under his belt give or take so he should be worlds ahead of Josh Rosen and even if and and I know I know I've said some things in the heat of the moment you know first off when they first made the trade I said well if Josh Rosen can't beat out it doesn't prove to be this uh the franchise quarterback then you got to fire Chris Greer I've softened on it a little bit I still think that it's not a good look for Chris Greer, but, you know, taking a more holistic approach, if Chris Greer builds the team and the the whole team looks good and Josh Rosen fails, then I think I could give not necessarily a pass to Chris Greer, but I could say, well, he could keep his job. And then I said, well, if Josh Rosen can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick for week one to be the week one starter, then you got to fire Chris Greer. And again, that goes back to the same sort of logic. But also, I've softened on that in that, look, at some point this year, Josh Rosen is going to get in there. It might not be week one. Uh, but at some point, he's going to either because Ryan Fitzpatrick has one of those games where he flames out and throws a bunch of interceptions, or he gets hurt because he's a guy that gets hurt just about every single year. And at some point, Josh Rosen's going to get in there. If he takes over in week five and lights the world on fire, nobody's going to care that he wasn't the starter in week one. So it's just, it's troublesome. I'm not taking away from that. It's definitely because you would hope that if this guy's going to be your franchise quarterback, that he could beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. But even if he doesn't do it, by the end of the preseason and get named week one starter.
0: I don't think the book has been written on Josh Rosen. Well, I am want to make another point also regarding Rosen and why I think it's actually, it could be beneficial for him not to be the starting quarterback right away because a lot of rookie quarterbacks, they have an opportunity to spend some time learning from a veteran quarterback first, right? Uh, You know, even though Baker Mayfield eventually became the quarterback for the Browns list last season, he spent some time behind Terod Taylor before he he went in there. and He spent all of training camp working with Terod Taylor. And there's there's something to be said about, you know, spending time working with a quarterback like that. Josh Rosen didn't have that experience in Arizona. He was working with Sam Bradford, a quarterback who, how many games had Sam Bradford played before that? You know? Bradford hadn't been a guy that had, had gotten a lot of playing time, wasn't really, in a, eh, I mean, I
2: mean. He, he, I mean, Bradford's a guy that's gotten hurt a lot, but he's been in the league for a while. Sure, and he's, he's been
0: in the league a while, but there's. there's he's a, been a starting quarterback for but, a while. But there's a difference between having the opportunity to learn from a grizzled NFL vet like, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, than, you know, spending time playing with Sam Bradford. And, and then Sam Bradford got hurt after two weeks and, and Rosen was in there. Um, you know, so there, I think, you know, and this is the argument that a lot of people made about Ryan Tannehill, is that he just needs more time. He needs more time. He needs more time. Okay, fine. I think I think there's benefits to having Rosen spend a little bit of time on the bench behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and sort of watching him play the game and learning the system and taking his time and not being thrust onto the main stage immediately. I think another thing that Rosen has going for him is that he's in a situation where he's not expected to win, right? He's not expected to put the Dolphins on his back and lead them to 10 wins this season. No matter what the scenario is, he's not going to be expected to do that because of what this team is. So I think in a lot of ways, it provides him with I don't want to use the term a safe space but it gives him a safe space to sort of develop as a quarterback because he didn't have that opportunity last year he was under fire in Arizona with a very bad team uh last season and and now he's in another situation where he's got a very bad team around him granted we could see a lot of these guys develop and turn into better players than what he had around him in Arizona but uh, that that being said he's he's Gonna have a chance to develop. And, and if he can sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and learn from him, a uh, guy that's been in the league for 15 years, I think there's benefits to that. Um, so, I, you know, while I, it would be great, it would be great for Rosen to go out there and win the starting job outright. There are also benefits to him spending a little bit of time, you know, behind Ryan Fitzpatrick before he takes, before he takes the helm. Uh,
2: before we, before we put the 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 quarterback conversation to bed I I I looked it up while you were talking uh Tyrod Taylor uh has played in 62 games 46 as a starter Sam Bradford has played in 83 games and has started every single game that he's played in fair enough so
0: okay so so the what we've learned is that Baker Mayfield is world's better than Josh Rosen right right and that's why it's
2: it's troublesome it's troublesome you you can't just keep making excuse cuz this is something with Josh Rosen that goes back to his college he was a highly touted guy going into UCLA and everybody was expecting him to be the best quarterback and be in the Heisman conversation and he never got there and everybody kept making excuses oh the talent around him oh he's got a new coach new coordinator new offense every single year Uh, and you're hearing the same things now after his one one year in Arizona and at some point you just got to say, look, the circumstances might not be the best around him. They might not have been the most conducive, but at some point you're either good or you're not good. And he, he hasn't produced. And to this point, he has not been good. Um, that's not to say that the book is written on him, but it's troublesome if he can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, again, look. He can come in in week six, week seven, week eight of the season. And if he comes in and he's great, nobody's going to care that he didn't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick in the preseason because you got your franchise quarterback. It doesn't matter when the light bulb goes off, but it's got to go off. And time is a little bit of the essence because he cannot afford for it to not go off this year. Because the Dolphins are in a situation where they're not beholden to this guy. They're not paying him a ton yeah. of money. And
0: we've learned this lesson already. We just, right. we're seven with years with Ryan Tannehill. We've learned this lesson. So, so at any rate, we're move, moving but, on from but the, that's quarterback the quarterback position. position. That's the quarterback position. We're going to move from the quarterback position to the position that I'm probably most excited about this season for the Miami Dolphins. That's the, back, the uh, offensive backfield. I am so excited about this running back core that the Dolphins have here. So first of all, bringing in the fullback Chandler Cox, super exciting because you think, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to uh, make some plays and sort of be a really great supplement to this unit. But Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balazs, Miles Gaskin, this is just exciting to look at on its face. And that's before you even look at, you know, some of these other guys that they brought in these sort of fringe running backs they have, but those three have the potential we've been excited about backfields for the Dolphins in the past, but this this might finally be the one, you know. I think it's a it, look, it's, the, it's in my opinion it's the
2: only position group on the entire roster where you, you don't have really a worry you 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 feel like hey this is a good group it's a it's a talented group and it's got depth um i don't feel like there's another position group on the entire roster that you could say that about other than the running back position because and look it's not and that's tricky, even itself, because some people are going to argue that because they're going to say, "Well, what do you really have? Kenyon Drew, Kenyon Drake is not exactly proven. He's shown flashes, but he hasn't really done it uh, consistently. The best sample size we have of him consistently being great is what he did at the end of the 2017 season, uh, when you know they traded Jay Ajayi." And then he took over as the feature back and then he had something like five or six games there where he was, you know, touching the ball 20 times a game and he was really uh, making a difference. But then you've got Kalen Bellage who, you know, many people are high on, uh, you know, they spent a third, dra- a third round draft pick on him last year and he, he had some flashes. Um, but there, there are some reasons to be concerned about him as well. Uh, he's a guy that he goes down on first contact an awful lot. And he's a guy that's got that great size and speed. But for that size and speed, for him to go down on first contact as often as he does, uh, it's a little concerning. But, and then Miles Gask- Gaskin, a guy that they got late in the draft, who I think was a great value and has an excellent shot to make this roster. Uh, he's an exciting, player potentially but even a guy like Mark Walton who uh you know went to the U, went to the U, uh was highly touted there I believe it was a third round draft pick of Cincinnati but it's kind of flamed out he's had some legal troubles uh, but he's got a chance to make this roster as well uh there is talent in the in the Dolphins backfield but I want to shift away from 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 that position group and I want to talk about the different groups that may have intriguing battles position battles because I don't think there's anything real intriguing about the Dolphins backfield yes we could we could debate about who's going to end up getting that that fourth running back gig or the third tailback gig behind Drake and Balage, they're probably going to keep a fullback. It's probably going to be Chandler Cox. And then they're, you know, either Gaskin or Walton or maybe even Patrick Laird is going to end up making the team. But, but who cares? Because they're, they're not going to get much run, you know, in, unless there's significant injuries ahead of them. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think the biggest one is the cornerback position
0: all right well let's start on the offensive line all right so obviously
2: we know that we've got laramie (laughs) tunsel this is our our franchise left tackle and then after that it's it's kind of a mess um the hope is the dolphins offensive line is a mess but what's scary is that the dolphins offensive line has been a mess for a long time and they just got rid of their second best offensive (laughs) lineman. uh this offseason so many are predicting the Dolphins to have the worst offensive line in all of the NFL and that is very fair to be perfectly honest if there is a spot on this roster that really makes you I mean the quarterback position is one thing but there there are two ways to have a really great offense in the NFL it's to have a great quarterback Or to have a great offensive line. And right now the Dolphins have potentially the worst quarterback situation. And the worst offensive line situation. And that's why a lot of people think that the Dolphins could potentially be the worst team in the league. It's a mess. It's going to be. It could be very scary on the offensive line. But. We do. We did bring in. You know. New offensive line coach. Pat Flaherty. Uh, He's going to be helped out by Dave Guglielmo. These guys have worked together on very, very successful offensive lines, whether it's the New York Giants, whether it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just a couple of years ago, these guys have a proven track record of being great offensive line coaches. And so you draft a guy like Michael Dieter. You bring over a guy that both of those coaches have a track record with in Chris Reed. You hope that Daniel Kilgore, a guy that you went out and you brought in in free agency last year, a guy that also has, uh, I believe, uh, a year with Pat Flaherty. Uh, you bring these guys in and you hope that they can mesh this together. And you know, the, the, the hope is obviously, you know, you got Laramie Tunsell at left tackle, you're uh, right now it looks pretty safe that Daniel Kilgore is going to be the starting center because you don't really have anybody else they brought in an undrafted free agent Ryan Anderson from Wake Forest he could potentially push Kilgore if Kilgore is bad and he was bad last year but the expectation is Kilgore is going to start at center you drafted Michael Dieter so you're expecting him to start at one of the guard spots the other guard spot I mean you went out and you brought in Chris Reed as a free agent so you're hoping that he'll be a guard um and then you've got i think a really interesting right tackle battle between Jesse Davis who is basically the team's i mean he he was like the team's utility offensive lineman the last year uh playing kind of all over the place but mostly at guard uh but he actually has a build to be a right tackle and Jordan Mills, a guy that they brought in who was released from Buffalo, who has a game-started streak, I think, of four or five years in a row where he hasn't missed a game and he's been a starting right tackle. And He's not anything special, but he's serviceable. So at least there's competition there, but none of it is really awe-inspiring. And that's why – and so you're hoping – that this that these coaches and this group of players can kind of mesh together. And there's for the first time in a long time, I think there's going to be an identity with the Dolphins offensive line where they're going to try to be a running team and they're going to try to play smash-mouth football. And maybe the fact that they're going to have an identity and they're going to try to play guys in the positions that they want them to play and not try to move them and mix and match and play them out of position and all that stuff – Maybe there's a chance that this offensive line can gel together and combined with that backfield that we just talked about, maybe this team could have, you know, a, a good running game and this offensive line could be serviceable. Uh, but I think it's it's going to be worth looking at all all training camp. This group cannot afford an injury because the offensive line was banged up last year and it didn't have depth. This offensive line has even less depth. And if they sustain an injury, and God forbid it's Laramie Tunsell, I mean, this is going to be a
0: nightmare. So, Well, I think uh, we can safely say that a guy like Jordan Mills, who's got a four or five-year streak of not having missed a game, has now joined the Miami Dolphins. I think we can safely say that it is likely that he will get injured at some point in the season. <laughs> that's very possible
2: that's very that would be a very same old Dolphins that's, thing to happen that's right
0: well what about the uh def- the, the defensive backfield is the other place where you think that it's uh an interesting story so let's shift over there talk to me about what's going to happen behind Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick
2: well that's just the thing is that you've got Xavier Howard is your starting corner you know that Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick they're going to get him on the field Um, there's talk about him when they're in when they play with just four defensive backs and their base I mean I don't know that their base defense is going to be four. I think their base defense is actually going to be a nickel defense uh, probably a 3-3-5 or or a 4-2-5 and so Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be on the field now when they have four defensive backs there's some talk that Minka is going to be the other boundary corner. Uh opposite opposite uh Xavier Howard and then of course you've got Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald and there's some talk about Bobby McCain playing uh playing some deep safety and that maybe in the four defensive back uh alignment TJ McDonald might either come off the field or might end up playing in a linebacker role. Um, Because Rashad Jones, it's kind of been proven over the last couple of years, he's really a strong safety. He's not a free safety. It was a mistake to bring in a TJ McDonald, to bring in another strong safety and expect Rashad Jones to play out of position. Uh, his play has gone downhill in that position. So the idea is move Rashad Jones back to his natural strong safety spot. And Bobby McCain, at least in those four defensive back spots, uh, could end up playing that, that deep safety, that free safety role. Now in the five defensive back uh, alignments, this is where things get interesting because at that time, at that point – you need to have a second corner. And the idea is Minka Fitzpatrick is so good in the slot. You, d- if you've got to have a slot corner, you want it to be Minka Fitzpatrick. You don't want it to be Bobby McCain and you don't want it to be somebody else. And you don't want Minka Fitzpatrick playing boundary corner where he's not as good. And then have somebody else playing slot corner when they're not as good as Minka. You want Minka in that slot corner position, but the question is, who can play that opposite boundary corner, opposite of Xavier and Howard? Uh, we found out last year that it's probably not Bobby McCain. Uh, he really struggled. Um, so we've got uh, we've got McTire, we've got McCain. We've got Cornell Armstrong. We've got Cordrea Tankersley, who fell off the face of the earth last year, but we're hoping can can bounce back. And then we have one of the more intriguing offseason signings by the Miami Dolphins in uh, – oh, geez, of course his name would es- escape me right now um, – the corner that they got Eric Rowe from, from New England. Eric Rowe. Uh, he's going to get the first crack at this. Now, Eric Rowe – is a guy that when he's played has done a solid job at the boundary corner position. But the problem with this guy is that he's gotten hurt every year and he's missed more games than he's played over the past couple of years. So the hope is that he'll stay healthy, but nothing in his track record says that he will. But if he does, the idea is that he's going to be your boundary corner. It's not a sure thing. And there's a lot of competition there. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, I, the Dolphins did not go out in the, in, in the draft and address this. So they're banking on the, it's basically an audition year for all these defensive backs. Cornell Armstrong, who show, who had a couple of, you know, flashes towards the end of last year. Uh, Tory McTire, who I think, probably is not the answer uh Cordrea Tankersley who showed flashes in his rookie season but something happened last year and he couldn't get on the field maybe he gets it right and put because he's probably the most talented of the group from just a you know highly touted drafted i I think they used what a second I mean, was it a second round pick on on him on Tankersley or a third round pick just to, just a couple of years ago? So he's a guy that has the potential. And then there's there's Jalen Davis Needham, an uh, an undrafted free agent that a lot of people are high on from UTEP. He's got a chance to make the team. I think there is a lot of Dolphins also. Of
0: oppos- Dolphins just signed Tyler Patman, who uh, has p- spent the last couple seasons with jacksonville uh he worked out for the team today and the dolphins signed him so some there you go so even more
2: competition there um i think they're basically throwing shit at the wall right now and they're just going to see what sticks and this is going to be because they've got to find they they went out and they paid a ton of money for Xavier howard they can't afford to spend money on a second corner. It's got to be one of these guys. It's got to be a young guy. It's either got to be somebody that's on the roster right now, or it's somebody that they're going to draft next season. Because it's not going to be a high priced free agent free agent, probably for the next year or two, or probably three years. So they've got to figure out young talent on that opposite side of Xavier and Howard. As far as the safety position. It looks like Rashad Jones uh, is going to be on this team. I still believe that he's going to get traded at some point. I think he he makes a lot of sense as a as a trade deadline deal. But some people are saying that he's getting along so well with Brian Flores that he, you know, even though he is going to be vastly overpaid, if he can play back to the level that he was just a couple of years ago when he was an All Pro safety, that he could be an integral part of this this defense, and even though they will eventually need to get help at the safety position through the draft, they will need to get younger and more talented. Uh, he might actually be uh, a very integral part, maybe that Patrick Chung-type
0: player for this Miami Dolphins defense. Which would be appropriate given the uh... – New England Patriots history of our new head coach. We'll uh, continue to take a look at some of these uh, units on the Miami Dolphins. We'll talk about wide receivers. We'll talk about linebackers. We'll talk about the defensive line. Um, as we sort of go through the preseason here, we'll have opportunities to talk about all of these units, especially as, as games start to happen here in the next few weeks. But want to move on here to the final thing that we wanted to talk about today, which is our expectations for the team versus the things that we're going to be cheering for. And I, I, I want to be very clear about this right at the beginning. Every time I sit down and watch a Miami Dolphins football game, I am cheering for that team to win. I'm ne- I, I I can't, I just, even though I might, int- and we've talked about this on the show before, even though I might intellectually know it would be better for the team to end up being terrible and, and not win a game and get the first draft pick, I can't bring myself to not cheer for the team to win when I'm watching a football game on Sunday. It's just my nature. That, all that being said, my expectations for this team this year are not high. Uh it, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this team won two or three football games this season Would't be surprised if they won one football game uh, you know that's just sort of where i am I, I and I think that's being realistic. I don't think you you can look at this team and look at the kind of tough schedule that this team is gonna have and expect them to do really really well what will I be cheering for them to do well absolutely. What I really want to see this team uh, this year, and I, I think we have a really great shot of it, is that I just want it to be fun to watch the Dolphins again. The Dolphins have been such a boring football team for so many years that I'm just really looking forward to having a team that's fun to watch. I would, you know, I I, I wouldn't mind this team being a team that can score 30 points every week. It's possible that they could do that, you know, depending on what kind of quarterback play they get and, and depending on whether or not this sort of enigmatic wide receiver group can can really turn out to be something, uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if, if the Dolphins ended up having something of a high powered offense. But again, you know, they also have that. Offensive line that's going to be a problem. They're also going to be a team that turns the ball over a lot. They're going to be a team that gives up a lot of points. But what I'm really interested in is having a team that's fun to watch. And it, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these younger players develop and, and what can Brian Flores do as a head coach? That's what I'm cheering for. I'm cheering for this team to be fun to watch. I'm cheering for the team to get better as the season goes on. Um, and you know ultimately at the end of the day i suppose i'm cheering for them to be in a position to build this team even more in the next off season maybe that means they're in position to draft a new franchise quarterback maybe that means they're in position to draft super high talent guys on the offensive or defensive line whatever the case may be When this season ends, I want this team to be in a position to take a very big step forward next season. I'm expecting this season to be a little bit disappointing, and uh, I am cheering for this team to be in a position at the end of the season to be ready to take a big step forward next year, which I understand. I'm purposely wording that because that could mean any number of things, but that's what it is that I'm cheering for. That's what I'm cheering for. Uh, with this Miami Dolphins team in 2019. Brain, what what about you? Where are you at? So to me, it comes down to one
2: question. What's more important, Josh Rosen being the franchise quarterback or Brian Flores
0: being a great coach? The second one is the more important of the, of the two, I think. Okay. So because here's the thing.
2: Look, there's a dream scenario out there that is the least likely thing that could happen. That's why it's the dream scenario. But the dream scenario is that the defense takes a huge step forward because it's now well coached under the tutelage of Brian Flores and his staff. Uh, you know, between Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker and Van Ginkle, they're all they all end up being you know playing really well. McMillan and Baker come into their own, become all pros. Van Ginkle proves that he's going to be something. He shows flashes uh, the defensive system. Christian Wilkins ends up being dominant guys like Tank Carradine who have a lot of talent and uh, you know, have had trouble getting hurt guys like Eric Rowe, same thing. These guys are able to stay healthy and they're talented. Xavier Howard does what he does. Rashad Jones stays on the field and plays his role. And this Dolphins defense ends up being taking a huge step forward and being a really good defense on the offensive side of the ball. They've got a very talented backfield. They've got a good offensive line coach. They start running the football well. Josh Rosen takes over at some point. The light bulb goes off for him, and he starts to live up to his potential, and all of a sudden, the Dolphins are are a very solid football team, and at the same time, Tom Brady falls off a cliff, and all of a sudden the Dolphins are battling for the AFC East title by the end of the year. I'm not holding my breath, there, fella. It's a dream scenario. It is. That it scenario is, exists,
0: that but it's dream. the least likely.
2: That's it's the least likely dream.
0: thing that could happen. Oh, you gotta, you gotta lay off. You you gotta lay off the Stella Artois over there. The Stella Artois. Yeah. You, you gotta, as, as the dude would say. Listen. You got to you got to take it easy over there. All right. So that's
2: the dream scenario. That is most likely not going to happen. Now these are the likely scenarios that could happen. One scenario that could happen is the defense could take a step up. It def- it it should, honestly. If if Brian Flores is a good coach and the defense is well coached this defense should take a step up because we all lamented how awful Matt Burke was. And there's no reason that, look, they went out and they drafted uh, a defensive lineman with their first pick. They get a uh, Raquan McMillan after October last year was actually one of the best linebackers in all of football. And a lot of people don't realize that, but Raekwon McMillan, you know, got off to a really slow start. Remember, it was essentially his rookie year because his rookie year was lost cuz he got injured in the first pre the first play of the first preseason game on the opening kickoff and he was still coming back from that ACL injury. So it's it stands to reason that he would be sl- get off would get off to a slow start, but then from October on he was one of the best linebackers in the league. So you should feel good about that. You should feel good about Jerome Baker, who had a really nice rookie season. Obviously, you feel good about Xavier Howard. You're bringing, you're hoping that you can find that second corner, but you should get more out of Minka Fitzpatrick in his second year. If this defense is well coached, it should be better. It really should. So there's the scenario where this defense is better but the offense really struggles Josh Rosen isn't very good Ryan Fat Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick he's good sometimes he's not good sometimes he gets hurt Josh Rosen gets in he ends up being dreadful but if the defense is better the team probably isn't the worst team in the in the league they probably win you know 5 or 6 games and at that point you're feeling good about Brian Flores, but you're not feeling good about Josh Rosen and you're not feeling good about the quarterback position because there's a chance if you win five or six games that you might not be able to address the quarterback position the way that you want to in the draft next year. Another scenario is that Josh Rosen gets in and Josh Rosen plays really well. And Josh Rosen now is the franchise quarterback, but the defense doesn't play very well. And now you've got to sit there and think, well, how good is Brian Flores? Because now, now you've got your franchise quarterback, but you really don't know if you've got the coach. And if this defense is bad, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot harder to fix a bad defense than it is to fix a bad. Well, I wouldn't say harder. I'll say that if you get the right quarterback the right quarterback can fix a bad offense really quickly a bad defense usually takes about four or five pieces to, to really to really make a huge difference at least three at least one on each end and so under that scenario i think you know you might win four or five games because your defense is really terrible, but now you've got your offense. I think from a long-term standpoint, I think that's probably the easier situation to deal with because at least you've got the quarterback situation fixed figured out and you could spend your off season and your money and your draft picks on fixing the defense because you got a ton of them. So I'm probably in that boat. Um, and then there's a third scenario which is just kind of the this is the it by some people's standards would be the doomsday scenario, and by other people's standards would be the best possible scenario, which is Josh Rosen is awful, and the defense is awful. Brian Flores turns out to be a terrible coach. Josh Rosen is a terrible quarterback, but the Dolphins end up going one and fifteen and end up with the number one draft pick. At that point, they obviously draft Tua. But again, you don't feel good about the coaching staff. And there's a chance that Brian – Brian Fleur is probably not getting fired even if that happens. But you're not feeling good about that. So which one of those scenarios are you rooting for? I'm probably – as as tempting as it is to say, look, just let's tank. Let's get the number one pick. Let's have Tua and say – I don't care about anything else. I want the quarterback that I feel the most confident in is a franchise quarterback and say, that's what I want to happen. And I think it's very tempting for that. But I think the most, honestly, I think the best scenario, aside from the dream scenario where everything goes well, because that's, I mean, that's what we all really have to root for. But realistically, if it comes down to, Josh Rosen playing well or the defense playing well, I think this te- we need a quarterback. We're just starved for it. So even if it means that Brian Flores doesn't turn out to be a great head coach, if we've got the quarterback, we could figure the rest out. That's where I'm at.
0: That And that's a fair place to be. I think the biggest thing that I would say is even if even if the team ends up winning three games, I don't want there to be any question about Brian Flores' coaching. I would love to be able to see. Listen, I have no problem. So you're giving him a pass, no, no, no matter no, what. No, no. I What I'm saying is it's very possible that the team finishes 3-13. and 13. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it has nothing to do with Brian Flores' coaching. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to know that we have a head coach. And it's fine if we have a head coach who puts the team in positions to win and the team just can't win. You know, so be it. I just, I don't want to see that doomsday scenario where the defense is terrible, the coaching is terrible, the quarterback is terrible. Even if you go out and you draft Tua next year, that's, it's still not a great situation because you still have a bad coach and a bad defense. Granted... You, if you are in that situation, you still have a lot of draft picks to address the defense with because you're not having to spend any draft picks on a quarterback. But at any rate, I, I want to see Brian Flores do a good job as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, no matter what, you know, even, and, and I think it's, it is conceivable that you see Brian Flores being a good coach, even though the team doesn't win a lot of games because you look at this roster. You know, unless there are some big surprises, this is not a, 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 <laughs> this is not the roster of a team that's going to even win eight games this season. I mean, just looking at it on its face, anything can happen, but, you know, that's how you look at it. But anyway, that's, I think, going to be it, all she wrote for this comeback edition of the same old Dolphin Show. So, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? And find me on Twitter at Aaron the brain. The question is, can they actually find you there? Or are you ever,
2: I, I you, you never, I tweeted. mean, yeah, I mean, now that we're getting into some, some things actually happening, I'll probably tweet again. Like I said, you know, I, I mean, granted, I was excited about, I've been excited this summer about the Dolphins, but not excited enough to tweet. That's I'm hard. not big on Twitter, but I'll get back on there now that we're doing the podcast again, I'll get back on there. So yeah, you can find me tweeting. At Aaron, the brain.
0: It's hard to tweet when you got, you know, wing sauce all over your fingers. You it's difficult. I mean? it's, been, it's been a challenging summer for the
2: Twitter as, you know, got wing sauce all over the finger, got burger juice, condensation from, from the cold
0: beers. This is it's getting graphic.
2: Uh, you can find me you ever on Twitter. Get any burger juice on your fingers. I mean, you're not tweeting when you got the burger juice.
0: No, no. Typically, typically the phone is far away at that point. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. So make sure you follow us over there. You can also go to Facebook.com/slash Same Old Dolphins. We'll post the show up there. Uh, we're gonna make a a concerted effort to post more articles and things like that over on the Facebook page so that you can join in the conversation. So like us over there, facebook.com slash Old Dolphins. Every episode of the Same Old Dolphin show is available on DolphinsTalk.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things, Miami dolphins. Uh, I, I recently have been cutting some promos, uh, not in the pro wrestling sense, but in the helping out with the uh, website, sense so uh you might hear some commercials for dolphins talk.com you might hear a familiar voice uh on those on those uh ad spots so uh keep your ears peeled for that uh, every episode of the show is available there we're also of course on soundcloud you can find the podcast on apple Podcasts. uh We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're all over the place. Everywhere you get your podcasts, you can find the same old Dolphin Show. If for whatever reason there's a place that you like to get your podcasts and we're not there... Holler at us, at Samuel Dolphins, let us know, and uh, we'll see what we can do to address it. Another thing is we always ask for you to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. We appreciate that. It helps the podcast grow, uh, so make sure that you are doing that. We're going to try to get into uh something of a weekly schedule here with the show. I'm trying to get at least an episode in every week until we get to the regular season, at which point we'll try to probably be heading back into our two shows a week uh routine, but in in the meantime, for the preseason and training camp, we'll be trying to get to you uh one show a week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get that in, at least one show a week here for you. It, sometimes, it might not be the two of us. Sometimes, it might just be the brain. Uh, on an even rarer occasion, it might just be me, but either way, uh, we're here. We're back, baby. We're back for season three of the Same Old Dolphin Show, so make sure that you are following along with us we appreciate all of you for listening uh 2018 was a big year of growth for the show we're hoping that 2019 will be just as big as the Miami Dolphins begin moving in a positive direction keep your fingers crossed and knock on wood in the meantime for Aaron the Brain this is Josh we will talk to you again next time take care of yourselves and each other bye-bye everybody
1: no dolphins. Miami's got the dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking to my